1: We are all exactly alike. There is no difference between any of us because we all are in need of salvation. That's what Philip saw. Philip saw people in need of salvation, he didn't judge them by their height by their weight, by their looks. He didn't judge them by their color. He didn't judge them by their religion. He didn't judge them by what anybody else had said. He judged them on the sheer basis of Jesus Christ, and Jesus Christ is available to all. The Gospel message
0: is unique in that it removes all boundaries between God and man, be it race, reputation, past, or otherwise. As Pastor Dave will teach you in his message today, we would do well as believers to remind ourselves of this simple truth regularly so as to avoid developing pride in our hearts. Now, here's Pastor Dave in the book of Acts, chapter 8, as he continues his message, Revival of One.
1: We make it so difficult. We make it so hard, but all it is is simple, hey, how you doing? How you doing? We engage in conversation because that's what people do. People talk. We engage in a simple conversation, and the Lord moves mightily. If we would just open our mouths, Philip opens his mouth. Do you understand what you're reading? Do you understand what happens? You know, sometimes the simplest ways in life lead to the biggest rewards. Sometimes it's the simplest things that lose these huge rewards. And what is a bigger reward than salvation? Would somebody tell me what it is, please? I want to know what it is. There's nothing greater than salvation. And if you have ever led anybody to the Lord, man, that's special. That is majorly special. But the man says something interesting here in verse 31. It's it's the same thing. It goes along with our theme here. And he said, how can I, unless someone guides me? And he asked Philip to come and sit with him and guide him through the scriptures. Philip's got to be looking around. He's got to be wondering what's going on here. The apostle Paul has this great great thing in, in, in the book of Romans when he's talking to the church at Rome and in chapter 10 he says for whoever calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved and he says how then shall they call upon him whom they've not believed And how shall they believe in him whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? And how shall they preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the gospel of peace, who bring glad glad tidings of good things. You can find that in Romans 10, verses 13 through 15. Paul declares that in order to preach the gospel, you have to be sent. Philip was sent. Philip was sent to God. We've been sent by Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ has given us the authority to go and preach the gospel message. The Great Commission in Matthew 28. We've been given that. It's conceivably that God could have chosen any means for this message of salvation to come. He could have chosen any means. Angelic beings could come and and give the message of salvation. He could, could have chosen a dumb animal. Careful. He could have chosen anything, but he's chosen us. He's given us the responsibility. He's given us the responsibility to bring this gospel message. He brings normal people to a message of Jesus Christ. We are the preachers. We're the ones that are being sent. And God now was ready to use Philip in a special way, in a most special and positive way. And this is called beautiful feet, not happy feet or dancing feet. It's beautiful feet. When somebody brings the message of salvation, they partner with God for the salvation of men. Feet speak of activity. It speaks of an action, a motion, a progress. And those who are active in making work and preaching the gospel, they have beautiful feet. That's what the Scripture is talking about. It's no coincidence that the Scripture that the Ethiopian was reading was from Isaiah 53. Isaiah 53. Can you imagine that? Look at verse 32 of our study of Acts. The place in the Scripture which he read was, he was led as a sheep to slaughter, and as a lamb before its shearer is silent. So he opened not his mouth. In his humiliation, his justice was taken away. And who will declare his generation? For his life is taken from the earth. What a wonderful, beautiful passage from the prophet Isaiah. It's describing God's suffering servant. You know, Isaiah 53 deals entirely with Jesus Christ. It deals with his birth. It deals with his life and his ministry. It deals with his substitutionary death. And it deals with the victorious resurrection of Jesus Christ. So Isaiah 53, a beautiful, beautiful passage. One, that the, that the Jewish people will deny. And I think it's hysterical. Have you, asked any, have, you, have you ever asked a Jewish person if they read Isaiah 53? I usually get the same response when I ask that. I always say, when we start talking to him, I go, well, have you read Isaiah 53? How do you reconcile that? Oh, I know, oh, I know. You want me to say it's about Jesus. You want, I said, no, I don't want you to say it about Jesus. I want you to tell me what it is. You're the one that's saying it about Jesus. That's what they always say. They always try to fight back at you. It is a clear picture of the Messiah. It's a clear picture of the suffering Messiah. The Ethiopian was focused, focused on two verses, chapter, uh, verses seven and eight, which describe our Lord as a willing sacrifice for sinners. Even to the point of use, losing his human rights. Philip asked the question. The Ethiopian eunuch answered him and said, I ask of you, what, whom does the prophet say of this? Is it of himself or another man? Again, Philip's saying, oh, Lord, it can't be this easy. Oh, Philip's starting to realize why he came down to the desert. Philip thought his new ministry was going to be the lizards and snakes. And here he is preaching to the Ethiopian guy in the chariot. Philip is obedient to the Lord one more time, and he opens his mouth, and he preaches Jesus, the central figure of life, the central figure of everlasting life, and the central figure of a revival, Jesus Christ. He preaches Christ. What a wonderful Bible study that must have been. What a wonderful time. I'm sure he took them through the entire 12 passages and verses of 53 that describe Jesus' royal lineage, his incarnation, and his vicarious atonement. We, like sheep, all have gone astray. Each of us have turned his own way, and the Lord has placed on him the iniquity of us all. Wow. I'm sure Philip then pulled out several messianic psalms, like Psalm 22. I wonder how long it lasted. Not only was the Ethiopian convinced, he was marvelously converted. What a glorious day for the kingdom as another soul is kept out of hell. What a glorious day. The gospel, the power of the gospel here is clearly seen. The power of someone explaining the gospel and the eager listener and the conviction of the Holy Spirit. This is a divine appointment. This is what happens This is what happens when we decide to take it on the road, when we decide to share God's love. We're all so nervous. We're all so bent up and tied. Should we or shouldn't we? Gee, do I speak to the person? No, I better not. Yeah, yeah, I better. No, I better not. Yeah, I better. We get all so tied up. If we just step forward and open our mouth boldly and allow the Holy Spirit to do its work, oh my gosh, how wonderful it would be. It gets better. As they went down the road, they came to some water. And the eunuch said, see, here's water. What hinders me from being baptized? Then Philip said, if you believe with all your heart, you may. And he answered and said, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. So he commanded the chariot to stand still. And both Philip and the eunuch went down into the water and he baptized him. Wow. Now, verse 37 does not appear in a lot of text. It appeared in the Latin translation, but it doesn't appear in a lot of the original text. However, there is nothing unbiblical about it. It is not an unbiblical verse. If you believe in Jesus Christ as the Son of God, Paul said if you believe with your heart, or excuse me, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and you believe in your heart that God raised Him from the dead, you will be saved. And that's where that verse comes. Whoever calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. So that scripture, even though it doesn't appear in some texts, it is biblical. It is not unbiblical. It hasn't been just added in there. It does appear in the Latin translation, which is where they got it from. Ethiopian believes on Jesus Christ and was born again. The Ethiopian believes on Jesus Christ. This was such a real experience that he insisted on stopping. He insisted on stopping right away. He stopped the entire caravan. Now, we think of him just by himself. We think of the Ethiopian, Ethiopian eunuch here in the chariot all by himself. No, he was a treasury for Candace, this queen of Ethiopia. So he had a long caravan with him. He had a lot of people that went with him. It wasn't just him. He was probably the leader of this caravan. And he stops the entire caravan. Maybe he just wanted everyone to see what had happened in his life. Maybe he wanted to proclaim Jesus to the rest of the people, but it doesn't really matter. They have this beautiful setting of this desert. They must have been, since there's water there, it had to have been some kind of an oasis, right? So there had to be some trees and stuff. Imagine this beautiful setting. Philip and the Ethiopian guy jump out of the chariot. They go into the water, and Philip baptizes him right there what a glorious baptism service this must have been, the entire entourage looking on. And I wonder how many of them were saved because of what they saw and what they heard. How many of them were saved on the way home to Ethiopia as the Ethiopian eunuch now, a newborn-again believer, couldn't keep his mouth shut and continued to preach Jesus and continued to preach the gospel? Something happened crazy when they came out of the water. Philip's gone. Philip's gone. He disappears. Now when they came up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord caught Philip away, so that the eunuch saw him no more and went on his way rejoicing. The word caught away is the word harpezio, which is where we get our word rapture. He was caught away. He was taken away by the Spirit. Not taken to heaven. He was just taken away. We find him again later. And Ethiopian, it's like he came out, Philip's gone, and he just goes on his way rejoicing. He's just gone on his way rejoicing. It's incredible. We're over at we're over at uh, Greg Laurie's Crusade. Oh, man, it was a long time ago, and we had we we had known this gentleman for a long time. I mean, he had been coming to the church that, that we've been ministering at, and he'd been coming for a long time. And nobody really knew where he stood with the Lord. We've questioned him, we talked to him. You know, he was an older guy, and we went over, went over to the uh, Greg Laurie Harvest Crusade. and We're sitting there, and this is the first night there, and it's his first time he was ever there. Do you remember Mackie? Anyway, anyhow, we're over there, and. Greg goes through this whole thing, the music, and Greg gives the altar call. Well, we're down on, on the ground. We're down there ministering and stuff like that. Anyhow, he gets up and he walks down. And the next thing oh, I'm not there, and he comes running. I mean, he is sprinting. Like this guy, I'm like, whoa, you're going to have a heart attack, man. This guy is sprinting. Sprint up the steps of the, of the of that uh, was the spectrum that time. And he came to me and says, I did it. I did it. I accepted the Lord. And he was, jo- I mean, I'm like, whoa. You know, I, you know, as I was rejoicing with him, he goes, whoa. He went away, and almost every person he saw was like, "I accepted the Lord, I accepted the Lord, I accepted the Lord." I'm like, "Wow. That's, I, can see, I can see the Ethiopian guy doing the same things. Whoa. This guy was so, he was so on fire. It was incredible. It was incredible when the born-again experience hits. You talk about rejoicing. We talk about rejoicing. talk about a, a, a revival of one. Wow. And the Ethiopian, he leaves. He says he goes on his way rejoicing. We don't know what happened, but we read in church history, and I love church history because we can fill in some of the gaps, it says that this Ethiopian became a missionary of Jesus Christ in Ethiopia. And church history says that many came to faith in Ethiopia because of this man's testimony. A revival of one. It's interesting that the Samaritans when they received Jesus was great joy. And now the Ethiopian when he received Jesus he leaves with rejoicing. What a trip home he had. Rejoicing all the way. When a sinner comes to repentance there is great joy. Scripture says even the the angels rejoice. The burden of sin is lifted and the soul is cleansed. You can do nothing but rejoice and you have joy unspeakable and the word that translated there is joy inexpressible you can't even express the joy you feel that has happened in your life because of salvation it's so profound peter speaks of this in first peter one verses three to nine he says blessed be the god and father of our lord jesus christ who according to his abundant mercy has begotten us again to a living hope through the resurrection of jesus christ from the dead to an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled, and that does not fade away, reserved for you in heaven, who are kept by the power of God through faith for salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time. In this you greatly rejoice, though now you for a little while, if need be, you have grievous trials, that the genuineness of your faith, being much more precious than gold, that perishes, though it is tested by fire, may be found to praise, honor, and glory at the revelation of Jesus Christ, whom having not seen, you love. Though now you do not see him, yet believing, you rejoice with joy inexpressible and full of glory, receiving the end of your faith, the salvation of your souls. It explains that wonderful rejoicing we have in Christ. We can't explain it. There's so many things we have in Christ that we can't explain. This inexpressible joy, the peace of God that surpasses all understanding, those things, they're unexplainable. They're unexplainable. Fear not, because our buddy Philip does reappear. He reappe- reappears in the city of Azotus. and in, in the next verse it says, "But Philip was found at Azotus, and passing through, he preached in all the cities till he came to Caesarea." Philip is the consummate evangelist. Philip now he's he's going everywhere. He, everywhere he goes, he's talking about Christ, just like Peter and John. He's talking about Christ. Twenty years later, twenty years now from this, in Acts twenty-one verse eight. I hope it doesn't take us 20 years to get there. In Acts 20, in 21, verse 8, Philip appears again as an evangelist in Caesarea. And he has two daughters that are prophetesses. And we'll meet up with him when we get that point. But the Lord is never finished with his people. R. Kent Hughes writes this of Philip. He says, if Philip had not loved people with the love of Jesus Christ, he would have never reached across the substantial barriers that existed between the Samaritans and the Jews. We talked about that. Remember the barriers that existed? Philip reached across them. Philip loved the Jews. Philip loved the Samaritans. Philip loved the Gentiles, loved the blacks, loved the whites. It made no difference to him. It made no difference to him. You know, it's interesting. The first time I ever was honored to teach the Word of God on a Sunday morning, I knew about it in about two weeks in advance. Now, I had done, uh, I had done Bible studies at the rescue mission over in Atlantic City for a long time, and I used to teach Bible studies on a regular basis. But to teach the Word on Sunday, that was big. That, that, was, that, was, that was very important, and I became very, very nervous. I became very, very edgy, even though I was preparing. This was the first time I'd ever done it. And on the week before I was supposed to teach, somebody said to me, well, it's your turn next, Dave. Why don't you just view everybody like they're uh, from the rescue mission? Just look at everybody like they're from the rescue mission, and you won't have any problem with that. And I went, that's that's, yeah, I don't know. So I went home, and I was praying about it, and all of a sudden it hit me. We all are like everybody from the rescue mission. We all need a Savior. We are all exactly alike. There is no difference between any of us because we all are in need of salvation. That's what Philip saw. Philip saw people in need of salvation. He didn't judge them by their height, by their weight, by their looks. But He didn't judge them by their color. He didn't judge them by their religion. He didn't judge them by what anybody else had said. He judged them on the sheer basis of Jesus Christ, and Jesus Christ is available to all. Shouldn't that be our cry? Shouldn't that be our want? We shouldn't go around hiding from somebody because they think differently than we do? Because they act differently from the other, they're not from the same social status as we are. That shouldn't have any bearing whatsoever. We are all sinners. Where mankind has fallen, and we all need salvation. And Philip knew that. But Philip was in touch with the Holy Spirit. Philip was in touch with the Holy Spirit. The Ethiopian was seeking God. The Ethiopian was seeking God, and Philip was in touch with the Holy Spirit. Lord, place these two together. Philip preaches Jesus Christ to the Ethiopian. He didn't use gimmicks. He didn't advertise. He didn't do all kinds of strange things. He just preached the Word of God and allowed the Word of God to do what the Word of God was supposed to do. It touched the heart because he genuinely cared for them. He genuinely cared for people. Listen to this poem by George MacDonald. We're almost finished. A poem by George MacDonald. I said, let me walk in the field. He said, no, walk in the town. I said, there are no flowers there. He said, no flowers, but a crown. I said, but the skies are black. There is nothing but noise and din. And he wept as he sent me back. There's more, he said. There's sin. I said, but the air is thick and fogs are veiling the sun. He answered, yet souls are sick and souls in the dark undone. I said, I shall miss the light. My friends will miss me, they say. He answered, choose tonight if I am to miss you or they? I pleaded for time to be given. He said, is it hard to decide? It will not seem so hard in heaven to have followed the steps of your guide. I cast one look at the fields, then set my face to the town. He said, my child, do you yield? Will you leave the flower for the crown? Then into his hand went mine, and into his heart came he. And I walk in a light divine, a path I had feared to see. God's path leads us to people. You see people every single day in your lives, people who are going to hell, people who are dying in their sin, people who will be burnt alive and be separated from God eternally if we do not do something. We are to yield to the Holy Spirit yield to his movement, we are to listen to him and allow him to be our guide. And he guides us in many, many different ways. And he has a guide for each one of you and a place for each one of you. It may not be a foreign country. It may not be someplace else. It may be as far in his lower township, New Jersey. We don't know. But we need to understand and we need to proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ because it's the power of God to salvation. God's grace that rescues sinners. God loves sinners people. He wants us to love people with His love. Won't you be one that God uses? The eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth to show Himself strong on behalf of those whose heart is loyal to Him. God's eyes are looking for someone to send. Looking for someone to send to the person next door. Looking for someone to send to your mother, to your father, to your kids, to your grandchildren. Looking for someone to send to your coworkers. Looking for someone to send to those that are broken, that are hard-hearted, that are that are dying in the world. God is looking for someone to send. Won't you be an Isaiah and say, "Here am I, God, send me." Here am I. We can't speak about revival without speaking about this last thing and we'll end here. The Lord reveals His way to revival in Second Chronicles 7.14. And you know it, you probably can quote it with me. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and heal their land. The greatest preparation of all in a revival it's prayer it's prayer it's the confession of sin your own sin it's getting your heart right with god getting your heart perfect with god no matter how great the crowd may be or the organization if christians are not broken and burdened for the souls of the whole of the lost the holy spirit is not working everything else is in vain You must allow the Holy Spirit to work in your life. You must allow the Holy Spirit to lead you and guide you. And you must be broken of your own sin. You must be cleansed of your own heart. The Bible says in James 5.16, the effectual, fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. How many times are you really fervent in your prayers? How many times are you really desperate before God? How many times do you really seek God with all of your hearts? Remember it says, if you seek Him with all your hearts, you will be found, He will find you. He doesn't really like us to come half hearted and have that half hearted attitude, but a total commitment. The Lord wants revival. The Lord wants revival. He wants to reach people and he, he wants to reach people with His gospel message. He has given us the authority to carry this message and He's preparing hearts right now to receive this message. He's preparing hearts that we don't even know that are receiving this message right now. Is He preparing you? Are you praying? Are you asking for the fulfillment of the Holy Spirit and asking to put someone in your path tomorrow that you can share the gospel of Jesus Christ with them? Are you praying for a revival? You're praying for our sins to be cleansed. Are you praying for your sins to be cleansed? Are you yielded totally your heart? Have you yielded every single thing in your life and given it to him and said, here am I, send me, I'm ready. He's looking for someone to go to the desert. He's looking for someone to go out into the dark place. And for some crazy reason, he's chosen humans to carry the message. What an honor. What a blessing that he would carry. We would be allowed to carry this message into the wasteland of life. To carry a message of hope and salvation. Are you ready for a revival of one? A revival that begins in your heart?
0: You are sure. The stories you've been hearing about Peter, Paul, Stephen, and the many other followers of Jesus are meant to inspire you and encourage you. These brave people lived long ago and had the privilege of seeing the gospel message spread from its point of origin, Jesus himself. Their testimony and diligence in spreading the good news of hope and new life changed hearts and saved countless people, and continues on even today through the writings and acts and the rest of the New Testament. However, the lives you were studying weren't without trial. Each disciple of Jesus faced persecution in some form, yet it never swayed them to abandon their faith. What difficulties are you facing for Jesus now? Don't lose heart. Remember that you're sharing the truth, and that the truth can set people free. You have the Savior of the world on your side, and He will stand with you through every trial and triumph. We're so glad you joined us for today's edition of Assure Hope, as we continue to study the book of Acts with Pastor Dave Schenck. If you'd like to listen to more teachings, we invite you to visit our website, assurehoperadio.com. Feel free to download and share Pastor Dave's teachings or subscribe to our podcast on iTunes. Are you in the Cape May area? If so, we want to meet you. Come join us this Sunday at 10 a.m. at Calvary Chapel, Cape May to learn more from the Word, sing praises to your Lord, and fellowship with your brothers and sisters in Christ. Find out more at assurehoperadio.com. Thanks for joining us today on Assure Hope. Rescued us. We're ready now to stand up on our